passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Welcome everybody to Rewind a Dynamite. It's John Pollock here alongside Waiting, where we are live for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe tonight. Yeah, yeah. I hit a wrong button, basically. Usually it's only uh, for double double patrons, but you know what? Today's a big news day. It actually worked out really well. Did you have the foresight to know that? Yeah, maybe. Sure. Anytime I hit the wrong button, it means some big news is going to break down. Well, you could have given me some warning today. That would have been wonderful. Uh, Today was a very lengthy day. We have lots to discuss, so we're not going to waste any time. Uh, We will be getting to Dynamite, uh, but let's start off with the major news of the day, and that is a series of announcements that came out of AEW, uh, mainly the fact that the, the elusive third hour, Mr. Ting, will be premiering on Friday, August the 13th. It's going to start on Friday nights in a one-hour time slot from 10 to 11 Eastern on TNT titled AEW Quinton Jackson. And then, not to be confused by AEW Tom Billington, uh, AEW Rampage uh, will then be moving to TBS as will Dynamite in 2022. Dynamite will stay on Wednesday nights, 8 till 10 Eastern, uh, but both programs will be moving over to TBS in the new year. On top of that, They will be showcasing four quarterly specials uh, throughout the year that will air on TNT, kind of in the style of Clash of the Champions. So huge news. Um, And I would imagine, Way, that the TBS component has come down in only recently because of the fact that they, you know, one of the uh, 
spokesman, the general manager for TBS and TNT stated the fact that, yes, the NHL plays a factor in this as do you know several other programming decisions. But you would have to imagine that the TBS component, this was relatively recent that this whole thing came down because Tony Khan had been talking about this only a few weeks ago that they'd be willing to you know, listen to whatever options are there, but it would have to be worth their while. And it sounds like Tony Khan was very happy with the conditions of what this deal entails. Mm-hmm, certainly. Um, I think it's a great, it's, from all accounts, seems like it's a great win for AEW here. Not only do they have a chance to have more content on the Turner Network, uh, it seems like contractually they got a bit of a raise. Uh, we don't know what those figures are yet, but I mean, Tony Khan has kind of made it seem like it's, it's certainly worth their while. And that means more exposure for all the talent and, you know, AEW itself being a bigger brand as part of the Turner system. I mean, is it even Turner at this point or is it just yes. Warner? Uh, I mean, Warner Media. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the big the big issue is, yes, Tony Khan had noted he was on Busted Open Radio today stating it was very, very fair. Uh, financial considerations. So, I mean, they they had a contract. So, I mean, they, I guess, were given quite the offer to make this move over to TBS. And what would also be interesting is, does this extend the length of the their current existing deal? That was a four-year deal that was to run up at the end of 2023. That was already going to include that third hour. But now they're they're moving over to TBS. So does this provide an extension? It sounds like it means uh, much more money for them. So that's, to me, right there is a big win. The move from TNT to TBS, the difference in homes is minor. It's like TBS is actually, uh, Brandon Thurston had this stat, it's something like 411,000 more homes have TBS. So it's mm. of like very, very similar. And, and, and you're going to a network that, I mean, you do lean on a lot of history, of course, with wrestling on on TBS that goes much further back than TNT's history. At this point, I think seeing the loyalty of the AEW audience, they could go to the, the Oprah Winfrey network. And I feel like they will do just fine because this audience will follow them wherever they go. You know, moving from a TNT to a TBS, which is very much a lateral move. I would assume most people who get TNT get TBS. It's as you know, simple of a flick of a switch. And I think I don't think uh, AEW really loses anything from it. In fact, they gain a whole lot. The Oprah Winfrey Network is in the Discovery family, so I mean that. Ooh, crossover there could always potential. be a you know potential uh, trickle down of AEW programming, but this will increase their schedule now. To, I mean, you have Dynamite, Rampage, and also that half hour reality series that's going to be launching at some point with Cody and Brandy Rhodes that they had initially stated would be TNT. So, I mean, <laughs> t- Turner is. All in on AEW, pardon the obvious pun there, but it's, to me, uh, the fact that they were so, like, look at the Turner Sports portfolio. It is gigantic even before you include hockey, and they are making whatever concessions are needed to make sure that AEW has a stable home that are financially compensated in, in such a way. Like, I take this as just um, Warner Media just doubling down on their commitment to professional wrestling. Oh, absolutely. And I think at this point, like if you're Tony Khan, you're, you're probably patting yourself on the back a little bit. I mean, maybe a whole lot because this expansion of AEW in less than two years, 
to the point now where they are um you don't have TV deals like this, a prime spot on on uh, Wednesday nights on a Turner cable station hitting number one or at least doing incredibly well most weeks. And then now branching off into a third hour with multiple TV specials at a what sounds like a pretty lucrative TV deal. This whole experiment has already, I would say, worked out pretty well. Yeah, uh, I have already inquired about, um, you know, Rampage in Canada. Uh, I haven't uh, I, I did get a response, but not an, an answer yet. Um Obviously, with a lot of these things, like this comes out today. I wouldn't expect like that announcement is going to be made today. If you remember when Dynamite launched on TSN, TSN 2 to be specific, it was only days before uh, that we had reported that. It was like it was a very it was a deal that was made very, very close to the the premiere of Dynamite. So I I don't even know. Um, The fact is they were starting from scratch with AEW at that point. They have that existing relationship, but that would seem to be the landing spot for uh, a Canadian home for Rampage. You would have to imagine TSN, you know, in one of their five channels would be a front runner to, you know, house that show. But at the same time, um, TBS is a channel that is carried across many cable platforms in Canada. So I, I would imagine there'd be a bit of pre- preempting going on uh, in, nationally here. Um, but there's always a chance that maybe they won't pick it up and it'll just air on TBS. There's there's that option as well. Yes. Um, you know, just looking at some of uh, Tony Khan's uh, comments again, this was from uh, Busted Open, where he had noted that they had approached him about making that third hour attached to Dynamite and making Dynamite three hours. And Tony Khan was pretty adamant about the fact he thought it was best utilized for that third hour to be its own hour on a separate night of the week. Um do, do you agree with that uh, assessment? Like, do you believe that there will be um, a, a healthy Friday night audience that you can replicate from Wednesdays? I think it all depends on the quality of the product. I mean, it, will it be as strong as, as, you know, a Thursday primetime slot? Maybe not, you know, but maybe they, who knows with this company? Because I think they've over exceeded expectations throughout this entire run so far. I certainly think doing a third hour on a Wednesday attached to Dynamite would be a surefire way to truly burn out your audience. Um, I think, you know, somebody like Tony Khan sees a lot of the reception to a lot of what's going on. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the response to Raw and the criticisms of really the three hours being the the major. I mean, it's the quality of the show as well, but it's the exhaustion from the three hours that I think contributes to a lot of the negativity for that show. Not to mention the fact that, like, when you're trying to sell pay-per-views, three hours a week is really going to diminish, like, the, the, the I don't know, um, specialty of you know having to pay fifty dollars for those shows so um i think he's very aware and i definitely think this is the right move yeah and i mean in theory you have two million viewers watching a wrestling product on a friday night that you would hope that you can gain some of that audience i mean that that was the strategy that impact utilized years ago when they first moved impact to a friday night this was when they were on i want to say pop um, one of their many of stops those. along the way yes. where they made it onto a, they went to a Friday night slot with the idea of, um, at that time, it was not that SmackDown was running on a Friday night, but it was, God, I'm trying to remember this. It was the, the idea that SmackDown proved that fans will watch on a Friday night. So it's not this, uh, it's not this night of the week that is foreign to wrestling fans. In this case, you do have the potential of your SmackDown audience that, 
you're home on a Friday night, you're watching SmackDown, you're going to flip on a 60-minute show afterwards and sample AEW if you're not consuming the product on a regular basis, not going out of your way on a Wednesday to watch it. It's a very interesting, I mean, you know, for all the talk of these quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars ending, you know, I, I really think we're going to continue to see comparisons, of course, in competition like this, even if it is just as simple as, you know, SmackDown now being a lead into an AEW product. Um, it almost feels like it's a game of chess where like, okay, AEW makes the first move. Here's WWE, you know, using their big piece. And then now they're retreating. And now AEW is on the offensive and on the attack. And they're going to say they're going to downplay it all. Maybe they should. But um, it's, you know, obviously this is a strategic for AEW to have an open slot, first of all, but also to take advantage of that WWE audience. So how do you think WWE responds? Can they respond? They can't in the sense that if this were a move where SmackDown was on FS1 instead of Fox, I would be ready for them to announce SmackDown's moving to three hours. They can't on Fox. You have your local news at 10 o'clock. They can't extend SmackDown another hour. I thought it would be a it would have been really interesting if SmackDown was on FS1 instead, uh, where you would have had that that ability to not be subservient to network affiliates uh, that have news commitments at 10 o'clock. Well, they can promote, you know, either the network, something right at 10 o'clock on Fridays consistently, or maybe even possibly, you know, pr- uh, telling Fox or FS1, hey, we want to put a, another <laughs> another hour of brand new content out there. Put an hour on FS1? I mean, I, yeah, who knows? They p- Putting an hour on FS1 is interesting. That could be a possibility. Um, I, Basically, I think it would do terrible, to be honest. Like, I don't think they have a fresh hour that they could go against this. I think that it would be... This is unlike WWE of two years ago that I think might have had more of an invincibility to them. Um, they just got it handed to them on, on Wednesday nights with a very strong product in NXT. What are you going to put on FS1? What is FS1 going to want to get, uh, you know, that they're they're not going to want to just create an hour of programming for nothing. Uh, and FS1 is going to want something of substance. Uh, what would that substance be? If it's just SmackDown Plus, um, you know, yeah. it's, it, there's certainly, I'm, I'm not saying they're not going to do nothing. I think everyone looks at what will be the reaction to this, if, if anything. Um, the more likely scenario will probably be using that 10 o'clock slot on a Friday to promote something big on your uh, on Peacock, you know, for to drive people's attentions away from TV. But we also don't know what Rampage's um, importance will be. Certainly, you know, to start, I imagine being like a B show, what we would assume would be a B show, you know, at one hour length on a national network. They will uh, put everything they will into it to make it seem as big as Dynamite. Um, but will it eventually kind of fall into a pattern of feeling more like, you know, a show that might be skippable, like like uh, one of their other dark shows? Uh, we shall see. They, I mean, we talk every week about how loaded Dynamite is. I I think that they will put all their resources into this this extra hour. Are you surprised at all that it's only one hour, that this, that this wasn't um, a bigger show for them? I, I, I'm sure like the idea, like the reason that they had to start at 10 o'clock um, rather than maybe like an eight o'clock or nine o'clock start time might have had something to do with it. Also, I I, I, I do imagine maybe the initial terms were for, were for that an additional hour rather than an, uh, an additional two hours. Can they you were, see yeah. 
can you see it, see it expanding in the future to a two hour on Fridays? Definitely. I think anything is possible. Certainly. I mean, there's like, look at the, as I said, we're like, we, there will be a point where it's three and a half hours of AEW programming across TNT and TBS. Uh, and, uh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to ask, like, do you think that because it's starting at 10 o'clock on a Friday that we may see um, content wise something? I mean, AEW Dynamite is already rather risque, like in, 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 in the way that they have violence on the show. But, you know, can we get more than just bitch on Friday nights at 10? I mean, we they go pretty far on Dynamite when it comes to, like, violence. Um, another big point to all of this, uh, this was reported by uh, Tony Maglio, that uh, when Rampage moves to TBS in in the new year, it's not a guarantee yet it will stay on Friday nights. So that's mm-hmm. worth noting as well. I would have a hard time imagining um, what other night you would program it for. Um, it's obviously – I don't think you're going to see Mondays. Uh, Tuesday – I would have to look at TBS's schedule. I mean, TBS, you would think there's more flexibility than TNT, which has its NBA commitments on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, Friday seems like the most logical place to leave it, if for nothing else, of that trickle-down effect of that SmackDown audience. Well, Thursday, it's even on TBS, you think there will be a sports set that they'll potentially, you know, hold um, wrestling off for? Again, it's it's hard to say because we still don't know what the NHL schedule is going to look like. Based on this deal, you would assume that TNT is going to be placing NHL on Wednesday nights and keeping that hockey night. But they, they have a lot of that package. And could some of it be spread over to TBS? Again, they have lots of sports commitments. So that does make you a bit less nimble when it comes to scheduling. Do you think the preemption, preemptions will end with them being on, on TBS now? With Dynamite? Yeah. I think they'll be much more limited because you're not talking about basketball, which has been the key thing that has preempted them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I do think that that should help. Uh, another big part of this are those quarterly specials. So what they will now have is the four pay-per-views per year and then these four uh, quarterly specials that will air on TNT uh, throughout the year. So you have kind of eight shows to build towards and – I think that that is very interesting because that is not something like the third hour we knew was coming. These we did not see coming. And when you look at if you were looking to expand, these could have been four additional pay-per-views. So you look at that revenue you are giving up to do these specials on TV. That tells me that they are getting it's worth their while financially to be doing this and putting these shows on free television, as opposed to pay-per-view revenue for them that AEW is very much reliant upon. So I would imagine that's probably the biggest part of whatever new uh, revenue has been found through this deal. That could be very true. But, you know, you have to also remember AEW charges a lot of money for their pay-per-views, you know, at like, what, $50, $60. And to suddenly ask for your audience to do that times a year instead of four times might be a bit bit of a big ask so uh to do this instead i think is not only you know we don't know the financial terms so it could be very well part of what you're saying but also a way to broadcast and still publicize your brand by giving the audience free content so that they may more people may decide to four times a year pay for those 50 60 shows um at this stage in in aw's kind of like growth i think it is like a really smart smart move um you know they've been really smart about branding several big editions of 
dynamite every year as you know certain certain shows i mean even from their inception you know doing the smaller shows like fight for the fallen and fighter fest they've already established established these shows as you know b-level pay-per-views that they can now promote as like major events uh in, in a clash of the champions type type of form on tv so it's um they they've really handled this entire thing and, and the negotiations really well it sounds like the nhl deal was only announced last month so if you and you know we we heard like what tony khan had been stating about you know what could happen to the schedule like this when you look at all of this coming together in probably a small window of time I would imagine that blood and guts match was probably a very, very important match in company history. Now that we look back upon it and finishing number one that night on cable of what that show might have meant. And just I would be very fascinated to hear what the last two weeks were like uh, in the lead up to today's announcement. I think that's a great point. Yeah. You know, does this announcement or how does tonight's I think you would have had today's announcement anyway. But, you know, would, would those terms have changed Would those amounts have changed without that number one that they can attach to themselves? So in hindsight, you know, you have to imagine blood and guts being put onto TV in spite of perhaps what the audience, what the hardcore fan might think for storyline progression. Having something like this to brag about in your contract negotiations is probably a really smart move. No, it was 100% the right move to put that on free television than pay-per-view. Yeah. Means it probably meant significantly more to have that that rating that week versus a great buy rate in, and saving that uh, for the pay-per-view. So uh, there, there's still like a lot uh, of questions attached to this. I'm very curious of what the new AEW schedule, uh, taping schedule, is going to look like because they're continuing – dark they're continuing elevation um you know there's only so much that you can tape and you're going to be going back on the road as well so it's not like you're just can book daily's place two nights in a row if you're going to an arena i mean to me like your taping schedule it has to increase beyond just once a week um to to fulfill all of this all of this content so, so we know they are, that that they are doing Friday tapings, and I guess you know another question is: Are these Friday shows going to be live? Or I, I would imagine they are. Yeah, because we... they've announced that show in in St. Louis right before Full Gear. That's that was already Friday night taping. I mm-hmm. I mean, can we expect it to be a, a ten o'clock start, ten Eastern start, or would it be live to tape? You know, to broadcast that delay. You know. I mean, if it's live, I mean, that late of a start time actually plays really well if you're playing on the West Coast, Mm -hmm. right? where often, I mean, television tapings on the West Coast, you're talking about four or five in the afternoon. Um, So yeah, it'll be interesting because they have not announced, beyond that Friday date in November, they have not announced them. Like, will they do weekly? Will that be, you know, you do... Because it's only a one-hour show. I would have a hard time imagining that you're going to be able to sell tickets to just a one-hour television show, even if you tack on Dark or Dark Elevation to it. Um, I think you'd want to try and bulk shoot and get at least two episodes uh, per taping on a Friday. Hmm. Yeah, but again, th- yeah. yeah, my final thing is that there was there was nothing of this announced on tonight's show. So you have to wonder like when this deal was closed um, to even get like an insert or an announcement or anything like that. 
It's also so far away, though, that it, it doesn't really affect anybody. And it almost might confuse people, honestly, if you're not a, like a hardcore AEW Dynamite fan, especially when you have to. Not the move to TBS, but the announcement of like a new show is coming to AEW. Like, I would be stunned if that isn't, you know, heavily announced or hyped next week on Dynamite. Or like maybe even double or nothing, like have have a big kind of like, you know, a major announcement with Tony Khan even or something like that. But by this point, like if you're an AEW fan, you're you're probably on the Internet and you know this. Um, like, how do well do you think they managed to publicize the Friday move on this episode? For just for just for next two next week, I mean, oh, for next week's show. Um, they really didn't hit on it till the final 30 minutes of the show. But I will say in those final 30 minutes, I think they hit it pretty hard. I think it could have been a, a little bit harder, like in, yeah, and I don't even know how, it's a, it's a shitty situation to be in, especially for a go-home show, you know? Uh, do you know if tonight was live or taped? Don't tonight know. was taped. Taped, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, who knows how much they, they had, had it all figured into the taping, but anyway. So a huge, huge story. Uh, we've got several stories up on the website, uh, but we're moving on to uh, the other notable story from today. And that was a number of WWE cuts, eight in total. So the names um, that uh, were reported uh, throughout the day uh, by uh, Fightful Select and PWInsider.com. I was also able to confirm these eight names. Uh, we had Ezra Judge who had been in the company for he uh Ezra Judge was a former bodybuilder and football player who had actually been signed by the Toronto Argonauts way in 2013 but was only on the team for a few months before he was let go Vanessa Bourne who had been with the company since 2016 and hasn't wrestled since January of 2020 and she had been uh reportedly like one of those quiet call-ups but never actually appeared on the main roster. And that's only curious of whether that call up uh, led to her getting a main roster contract. Cause that would, that would matter in terms of her no compete clause. NXT are typically 30 day, no competes main roster is 90 days, but I do not know her status. Again, she has not wrestled in a year and a half. Uh, Brandy Lauren, who was wrestling as a Skylar story, um, she was Brandy Lauren on the Independence. She had only been with the company since last summer. Uh, Kavita Devi, who may be a bit of a surprising name because she had been so heavily promoted as the first female of Indian descent uh, on the roster and had been part of that WrestleMania Battle Royal in 2018. However, she had not wrestled since July of 2019 uh, and was getting up there. She was 38 years of age, and they had mentioned at the Superstar Spectacular that you know, there was a family issue and she would she couldn't appear on that show. So there might have been other other factors to that one. Jessamine Duke, who had been working of late in the digital department, um, surprised at all by that one. Um, Not so I get much. the sense like res it seemed like the wrestling part had kind of ended for her. So this seems like more of just a, you know, a a cut with someone that kind of the, the wrestling project had ended. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, is Marina still even a part of the company? She, she's still there. I mean, she, she was is. on TV for that angle when Roderick Strong gave his notice a few weeks back. Right. You know, but it didn't seem like these two were really involved in any sort of other storylines. And to be quite honest, I don't know how far the progression was going, you know, in ring wise. So it doesn't surprise me that much. 
Uh, Alexander Wolf, who, I mean, Tuesday was obviously the write-off in Imperium, where he was just jumped by Eichner and Bartel, and that appears to be his his release. And he's already noted that, you know, he'll be he'll be free of his contract next month and and moving on. Um no, a, a talented guy, I, I thought, um, was Alexander Wolf. Uh, and then we have referee Jake Clemens, who has already been booked by AIW out of Cleveland for next month, and Drake Wirtz, which was one that I think this was, I mean, you can read the reporting of David Bixenspan. Sean Ross Sapp has a lengthy story about just all of the issues that have been building up for this. This was an untenable situation. This, to me, was an inevitable release. You never want to hear about uh, any of these people losing their jobs, except for that guy. Um, it's it's quite amazing, especially hearing some of those stories. Even before hearing about, about those stories, um, just the the idea that this dude was kept around when a lot of people aren't. Now, I do understand, like, I don't. Ex- we don't know the exact reason why what, that they gave for for letting him go, and I don't even know if they really need a reason for a lot of these, you know, talents. It could just simply be, hey. We don't really see a future with you. Um, we we don't want you around. But I mean, with words, with so much, um, I think uh, bad publicity that his name brought around uh, publicly, wearing the NXT logo on his chest, and man, it it this is an issue that I think goes beyond mm, someone's just political beliefs and into like territory that I don't think a major company really wants to be associated with. So I was really surprised it took this long. Yeah, I th- I think that you know you can you can look at all of the stories and it was a situation that I'm sure they were just um you know as a company um I think have to be careful that they're not leaving themselves open to anything. I mean, if in terms of you know that line of you know somebody's uh personal beliefs that cross over into uh, a work environment that is affecting other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, but you know, from from some of these accounts, it 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 feels like it sounds like he he was there were there was more than just that. Like oh this yeah, I sounded like I, a man I, who was making people feel very uncomfortable going to work. Yeah, well, that's it, I, and I think that that is you know once you have somebody that is out there um, and espousing these uh, beliefs, these thoughts that are upsetting others, uh, talking about the fact that he will not. Uh, uh, wear a mask or believes in vaccinations like you are condemning others for getting vaccinated. I mean, Um, it's yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, this was an untenable situation and this to me was, uh, inevitable. Uh, the others, I think it's, it's, uh, just a whole different category that they are in versus him. Uh, so, uh, any other final thoughts on, uh, any of the cuts? I mean, this is, um, you know, they will in theory, um, be available within 30 days if they go elsewhere so i mean uh alexander wolf tweeted he he'd be available june 16th so around 30 days yeah he is certainly the biggest name out of them all especially you know having just been featured in nxt whenever i see something like this i always wonder hey like did they tell him before going out there and if not what what was the story that they told them that you know they were going to be doing um so anyway, it, it, it's rather unfortunate. I, I have to say, like, mm, I don't know if I saw that much of a, you know, um, upside to to his like kind of um, trajectory within the company. But, you know, we hear about stories like these all the time where like guys leave the company and they just like 
find themselves somewhere else and they just like excel. So I hope he would be one of those. All right. A couple of uh, ratings notes from the past couple of days. Uh, So uh, last week's SmackDown on Friday did a million nine hundred and seventeen thousand viewers and a point four four in the demo. Uh, Their lowest figures of the year. Canada was also way down the prior week uh, for the throwback show in Canada. They did two hundred and fifty thousand five hundred viewers this week down to 132,100 viewers, uh, but they were going against the triple threat way. Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Raptors, and Toronto Blue Jays games. No curling? No curling. No, no. Oh, we're, we're, we're through the curling crunch. So now they're just down to, uh, you know, the, uh, the triple threat, threat of Toronto sports teams. Yeah. Raw did 1,823,000 viewers, 0.48 in the demo. Um, you know, pre, uh, in terms of viewership, uh, not too much unchanged from the prior week, although the demo was down from a 5.3 to a 4.8 over the three hours. And NXT on Wednesday night did 700,000 viewers and uh, 199,000 viewers in that 18 to 49 demo. They did 40,000 viewers in Canada. Showbiz Daily still? It's on uh, life support. It's it's back up. It's I guess they, they, they cannot post new things yet. So there's been uh, alternate postings from like TV sports ratings. This is weird. This is what? a lucrative market to be out there for the uh, the... the wrestling viewership. Like, what is this on GeoCities or something? Like, what? Where are they hosting their web that they can get back on but can't post new things? Maybe they had to call Sweden. <laughs> yes, could be taking some time. This thing's yeah. been like on life support since like last last Thursday. This has been. Is this what the is this honestly honestly what the industry like the best the industry has to offer? Like people are making like major deals based off of like this this thing, and like it can't even get its upset website back up running in in, like a week. It's a good thing it wasn't down that week. Blood and guts was on, so that uh, everyone could see it. I mean, true, yeah, maybe that was it. They peaked. Can't can't broadcast Showbuzz Daily on TV. That was that was the killer last week. Wednesday night they put that graphic up. Thursday sites down. They never recovered. Uh, and then finally, uh, do we have any other news? I think that, I think that's about it. So there you go, everyone. A busy day. Any thoughts on NXT? Um, I, I, I typically like enjoy the show, uh, each week. I, I like the cage match. It was kind of like a nice win for, for Bronson Reed at the end. I thought Gargano was, was great, uh, throughout the match. They, I mean, they put it over really big. Bronson Reed's got his wife here at the Capitol Wrestling Center. His family's at home in Australia watching this. It's like, this would be pretty cruel to beat this guy under these circumstances. And wouldn't you know it, they gave you the happy ending. Uh, you know, that swerve would have made for a... Uh, you wouldn't have seen it coming, John. They I, I, him. <laughs> yeah. Heat. No. Imagine the heat. Uh, I thought the cage was like a perfect way for him to showcase his gifts, you know, like just just a big man flying everywhere inside a structure like that. I thought it made him look really good. And the moment felt really big when he did win. Um, hit, hit Row, row is just fantastic, dude. Like love this, Hit Row. They've just hit a, a grand slam with this group. They're all excellent. Everything about this group has been executed perfectly. Well, and they haven't even done that much. Really, like it's two in-ring appearances. It just feels so fresh and different, yeah. and you have four unique personalities that it doesn't feel like they're playing characters. They're just – it feels very natural. Mm-hmm. It's different. Um, they're, you know, two weeks in, um, it's been great. 
Yeah, last night we got to see uh, in-ring, I guess, um, hit row in-ring debuts of uh, Top Dollar along with uh, Ashanti D- D- Adonis, And uh, it was really a match that I think uh, highlighted the, the big guy in, in, in Top Dollar. And I felt like already in one match, he managed to look like a more interesting and varied and, uh, I don't know, skilled big man than either Aziz or Almas on the other shows. You know, just the ability to like showcase some very impressive feats of strength that weren't just crazy camera angles or weren't so kind of contrived. Uh, he looked really good. And of course, like personality wise, it really feels strong with all four. And I'm actually really looking forward to B-Fab. Like her verse on the song from what little I can hear of the song sounds like it is the best one. And from what we have seen so far, she she seems incredibly charismatic. So I can't wait to see her kind of take a bigger role. The prime target video. Dude. I mean, I, I have to assume because this is prime target and because the man's done the rest of them. I, this really felt like it was a Sean Ryan piece. And um, I just, I can't say enough great things. Like this thing was so, so fantastically, so well done beyond, I think anything you typically see uh, in either AEW or obviously the main roster. Um, it's just crazy that this man is in that system and maybe not being utilized to the biggest audience possible, but you know, maybe that's to their advantage because um, the stories in NXT are probably a lot more conducive to, for his type of like visual storytelling, but it, it was fantastic. I, I love this video. It was fantastic. Um, you know, the, the utilization, like just, just the use of like Heyman and McAfee to give it a grander feel like this is the talk of the main roster people that you would be interested, uh, especially in a Heyman in hearing of. It just made it that much more important. Like we're not in our little bubble here in NXT. This has the attention of everybody. Well, that's the thing for me is to like see main roster guys speak. It just gave me a glimpse of what types of great visual storytelling we could have on the main roster with the amount of talent that has gone onto the main roster. It just requires like new inventive, good looking styles of production like this to really kind of add to that. Instead, we're, we're kind of stuck in like, I don't know, 2001 for the most part. And I thought Tony Storm's new finish looked fantastic. Badass. That, that was really cool. Like when yeah. they kicked it, kicked out of the storm zero and then you introduce that, um, it looked, uh, it looks spectacular. I thought I thought this opener. I enjoyed it quite a lot. This was um, a really great showing from Tony Storm. Yeah, the Tony Stark feud has uh, has been one that's <laughs> been pretty good. I mean, it definitely does bring to question. I guess this was like fifty fifty booking for for Zoe Stark's win. Um, it kind of makes you wonder why they had uh, Tony lose several times leading up to this. But um, it it does feel like she's got Frankie Monet next, and then maybe even. Raquel, I wonder. Yeah, they also like uh, they really announced quite a lot for next week. And I wonder if like they're finally getting around to that because that had been a criticism of NXT was just not setting up enough stuff week to week. And they they seem to be going now in this pattern of announce a big title match for two weeks from now and then we'll load up for next week. And that's what we've got with uh, well, Cross and Balor next week that's promoted for weeks. Raquel and Dakota Kai against Ember Moon and Shotzi, Pete Dunne against Bobby Fish, Frankie Monet's debut, and the million-dollar face-off between Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase. I will concede that this week's Ted DiBiase interaction was definitely the weakest one. It's just been 
So it felt like they didn't have a great idea this week, and they just did the the cliche music interruption. Well, I have to say it's it's kind of felt like that to me for the past several weeks. But next week they can redeem themselves. Next week should like they better deliver on like a good punchline. Is he going to take his face off? Virgil needs to show up. Come on. Oh my. They kind of hinted towards it with that video they played. Dude, if Virgil started to follow Cameron Grimes around, oh man, that'd be amazing. Virgil Grimes. Yeah. No. He's he's available. He will do it. All right. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com and now we head on over to AEW Dynamite. Uh, from Daly's Place. Uh, this was a taped show from last week, and we kicked things off with Christian Cage and Matt Seidel. And so the match, um, I thought they had a very good match here, just very you know, well-structured match. Everybody did did their part very effectively. We saw Seidel uh, cut him off on the turnbuckle, nailed him with a meteora, and then a spinning heel kick lands, goes for the lightning spiral, that's countered. Uh, Christian is trying for the spear, but it's countered with a sunset flip, Cage hits, finally hits the spear and gets a two count. And then Seidel gets back on offense, goes for a standing Mariposa, lands on the knees, and that feeds for the kill switch in 9-15. Christian gets the win. They shook hands. And Taz, who was on commentary, said that he'll pay. And so will you, Seidel. Taz was pissed. His best, his best version. He's often pissed. Not too yeah. happy on this yeah. show. But that's fine. He, he plays an entertaining, angry He's individual. a grumpy guy. Uh, you know, good match. And again, like like we've seen from Christian already in AEW, it's a totally different style from what you would typically see in a Dynamite opening match. Um, I think it's a style that, you know, will teach a lot to the younger guys on the roster. You can tell, like, Christian is, like, figuring out ways to set himself apart from the young high flyers in the company. And, you know, he is the guy who comes out, doesn't necessarily do anything flashy, but instead, like, really hones in on his timing, ability to conserve himself, and just, like, you know, try to be that like smart veteran who sneaks in and just does enough to get the win to outsmart the other guy. So I do think like the thing that seems to be missing thus far with Christian is an interesting story. This whole team Taz thing has kind of been, I don't know, just kind of always there and lingering. And yeah, like a bit of an interruption here with like uh, Ricky Stark's injury, but um, I hope it, it starts to pick up with a bit more juice soon. And they're both Seidel and Cage in the Casino Battle Royale, which we got all the members of that we will get to later tonight. Before that, Ricky Starks came out. He said he is not going to be on the sidelines like these flunkies. And then Team Taz jumps Cage and Seidel from behind, including Hook, throwing Seidel, attacking him on the floor while Cage and Hobbs attack Christian. Hangman Page runs out. So we've got Cage and Cage and Page in the ring. Hangman attacks Cage and Hobbs. Hobbs then misses an avalanche, taking out his partner. And then Page goes for the buckshot. He's caught, stops the F10. Hook is back to chop block Christian Cage. Oh my God, dude. Hook, Hook chokes, uh, no, Hook chop blocks Page. And then Cage power bombs <laughs> Page. Fuck. Dude, one of the thing about like the Vince McMahon-ism about changing someone's name so they don't have the same names or sounding names that is not one of the vincisms that i'm going to critique that is a perfectly normal strategy to have because this segment was designed to f with me oh man um please tony khan book it 
the far away that we've all been waiting for. That was a tongue twister, dude. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, they're booking Hook as, like, the difference maker here, eh? Like, he's the guy who, like, swings the momentum back to the heels. Like, Hook is the secret weapon of Teen Taz. I can't wait. I can't wait for the big debut. They better give him, like, all the accolades and build up. They need to book him like Brock Lesnar. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, fine beatdown afterwards. Like, you know, this show seemed to be like the entire card is set for double or nothing. This show, a lot of it seemed to be there to just remind you of the matches that we're going to see. And this kind of provided that with Paige and Cage. And I guess the the Battle Royal was promoted here as well. The Varsity Blondes, who are now paired with Julia Hart. uh, Brian talks about his father and said, like, a lot of people believe that my father is the reason I'm here. My father is the reason I stayed away from this. It was only... When uh, I only saw the dark side of the ring until I met the Young Bucks, who I thought were good guys in this industry. And then Garrison, uh, Grip Garrison shares a story from 2018 running their merch table at an indie event and said, these aren't the same guys. They need a reality check and they won't stop until they achieve their destiny. Now, these two guys, like they are not seasoned promos, but I thought... I thought this was the start of a show that had some fantastic promos throughout. Like this was a heavy promo show and you know, th- these guys did like a great job here in like their first serious promo setting. I thought they sounded great. I really did. You know, this was like when we heard that Brian Pillman or the blondes were going to get this match, you know, we had wondered, okay, was this done to start a play off of the, some of the momentum calling off the dark side of the ring. And this probably kind of gave you that answer. And I thought it did it to a wonderful degree. You know, there are probably a lot of new fans of Brian Pillman Jr. right now. And I thought this promo was a great introduction to him that referenced his story on Dark Side of the Ring. Um, You know, you have to wonder, like, would this match occur even without Dark Side of the Ring? Ring? Maybe not. But at the point when it did, what kind of promo would Brian Pillman be able to cut? You know, it certainly wouldn't have been something like this. Something as interesting as... A lot of people think my dad was the reason I got into this business, but he's the reason I didn't get into this business for as long as I did. It's 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 a wonderful line, a wonderful story that played itself out really well in a short amount of time. And I thought Garrison's delivery side it really strong too. This really gave me vibes of like eighties, like, you know, either early WCW or like late, you know, eighties uh, WWF. All it needed was like a green screen with their logo in the background. <laughs> and it would have felt totally of that tone. We're going to go, go, go. Yeah. Can't wait. such a throwback team. It's crazy. So then we had John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And if you want to have any evidence that the promos here are just the guys left to just go, this is exhibit A. All right. These guys are so just riffing off of one another. They probably go in with you're facing the acclaim tonight. We need two minutes done. They went a bit longer than two minutes. It seemed like Like they had. had Sorry, please go ahead. Oh, well, Moxley asked Kingston, who are the acclaimed? And Kingston summarizes them. One's a rapper. The other (laughs) is the rapper's friend. (laughs) Kingston doesn't understand the whole super kick party. They then talk about analytics, which was way funnier than I can recap, and decides uh, 
to beat the brakes off them tonight. And that was the promo. So this isn't going to win promo of the year uh, from from these two. But these two are, I think, at a level that where they're so confident that it's like, we know they can talk so they can get away with like just kind of bullshitting, you know, for, for a few minutes. I say they probably went a bit longer because I, I'm pretty sure I saw a white flash here where they just have to basically edit this thing to like get them out because I imagine maybe it went a bit longer than they were anticipating. But, you know, they're improvis- improvisational and, and fun. We go to the acclaimed who are pissed. They call, they cite Eddie Kingston from the Bodega and the lunatic John Moxley. They state they are ranked higher and they're going to stomp their asses. And that's a mic drop. It wasn't really a mic drop. What was to come would be the mic drop moment from Max Caster. It's kind of tough for Bowens to like, you know, just kind of be like the other like you have a guy who raps, who's just everybody remembers, and Bowens mm-hmm. ha- has yet to kind of really create the identity for himself. I mean, on his own, like the most he's done was that interview with the Big Show that pl- that played online, and like on his own, he is an incredibly successful YouTuber and like you know very accomplished in other areas. So there's plenty to be had, but I, I think we've kind of yet to see it, at least on Dynamite. He needs to watch some Jake Paul, maybe that should be his influence. Oh yeah, sure, everybody should. Moxley and Kingston are out to wild thing, and then the acclaimed enter. It's the major league version now, Tony Khan said. Yeah, so what, did they just get all versions of wild thing? I'm, I don't know. Maybe this one is cheaper. It's like when Sting used to come out to like, um, like the live edition of um, uh, uh, that Metallica song. Like he, <laughs> am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the live version. Seek and Destroy, yeah, because the live version is cheaper, I guess. Well, um, I don't know. All right, so, well, Rick, Ricky Vaughn's spirit lives through John Moxley. Sure. Max Caster uh, rhymes paradigm shift with these guys giving each other Valentine's gifts. Eddie, why are you dressed like it's 04? You're, you look like a box of Newports. Are Newports a bad-looking box of cigarettes? Uh, they're they're <laughs> cigarettes in the more? design of Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Are there more fashionable cigarettes out there? Would Marlboro? Like, you could have called them like menthols or something. I mean, that's that would probably hmm. like if you if you were compared to a menthol, he'd be. Yeah, it's probably like your like a skinny. Oh yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, Kevin in the chat room is saying Newports are menthols. Are they menthols? <laughs> That's my knowledge of cigarettes then. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. And then he brings up your girl's been in my mentions hitting me up for some oral sessions. And this crowd was not ready for this zing. There was a mic heard. drop. Yeah. There was a mic drop here. And Bowens just said, What? She just wants us to be on the podcast. Yeah. Well, listen, she kind of set it up herself. I mean, that is the name of the show. So Moxley just attacks Bowens, who is holding the microphone, and then they double-team Caster, kicks him in the corner, and there's an STO by Kingston. Kingston starts biting him, and then they get the, the heat on Kingston, go through the break. Bowens applies the Price of Fame, which is an inverted cloverleaf. Moxley gets the tag. He's running wild. Uh, 
They lift up Moxley for a vertical as Bowens hits the high cross. Kingston is in for the save. And they go for the, their finish is now called the Violent Crown. And it's stopped by Caster grabbing Moxley from the floor. Caster then sends the chain into Bowens, who Bryce catches. And this gives Caster the opening to grab the boom box. But Mox intercepts and hits him. Boom. With the box. Bowens is all left alone, and there's a wheelbarrow by Kingston into a paradigm shift that was your basic DDT, and they won in 10 minutes and 26 seconds. Good match. You know, I, I think um, largely done to, I mean, have Moxley and Kingston on your TV, but also to continue to establish them as a tag team before the, the Bucks match at Double or Nothing. Um, the acclaim really, at this point, feel like a very complete team these days. It's a gimmick that's working. They're having solid matches. And uh, this was probably a bit of a sweetened crowd from what you're telling me with this being taped. But I, I thought the crowd reactions, from what I could tell, were strong for both teams. Yeah, I thought this was like a good outing for Moxley and Kingston just to show some like, you know, some tag team spots in this. You know, give them the win. There's like a logical reason now for them to get the tag title shot, uh, which I mean, the challenge was issued last week. But nonetheless, they they beat the acclaimed. So they have now leapfrogged the the rankings. To get this match. Well, special occasions. They've also been on, I guess, uh, Dark. is is. Uh, I think everyone's been on Dark, yes. Yeah. yeah. If you pay attention, did, did you know Austin Gunn was 10-0? Um, I, I would imagine a lot of people are at least 10-0. Yeah. Chris Jericho is hanging out with Dean Malenko, and Alex Marvez wants to know if they're going to accept the challenge for Stadium Stampede. He tells Marvez he's going to have to wait. And we got like a fun interplay here between Jericho and Malenko where Malenko called him. He called Malenko the man of a thousand holds. And then Dean goes, you still have four more than me. But Jericho says, I've forgotten a few. <laughs> Great. This was funny. I like this. Shivani is in the ring with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Sky talks about idolizing Sting as a child, but then he grew up and it's time for Sting to step aside or else he's going to put him down. Paige then cuts a promo screaming about Darby Allen, throwing him down the steps the week that Sting was away, nursing his injury after Sky put him in a heel hook. I am here to take everything away from Darby Allen. I will be the nail in your coffin. The lights go out, Sting appears, and Darby comes from behind, attacking them with a skateboard. Sting and Allen beat the piss out of these two. Sting applies the Scorpion Deathlock onto Sky. He's tapping, and the heels try to run off. The Dark Order prevents them from leaving through the tunnel, so they run off an alternate route. Mm-hmm, yeah. This is, like, pretty heavy for the baby faces. Yeah, I guess it was. Well, we still have a week, so... We'll see I guess they got the, the they got the beat down. They needed their revenge after after last week. So after the stairs, it. well, they yes. got the stairs too. Yeah, but you know, um, I, I I was curious to see if like Darby would have any follow up with Miro, and it, it appears that that's not the case. Um, I also wonder how that shoulder is doing. Did you get any indication from watching this? I mean, he was mobile. Uh, so I mean, he did the match last week after you know being tossed down the steps. So I mean, yeah. this guy is rubber so i'm i am certain he will be insane by the time this pay-per-view rolls around on the 30th and i love how they are promoting this match this is not a cinematic match as tony Schiavone would tell us it stings first 
live in-ring match since <laughs> since Seth Rollins. Like they're they're promising you if you buy a ticket, you'll see him in the flesh have a match. <laughs> Which you have to do. I mean, you probably like you might be not sure if you're going to get a cinematic match or not, but they are making it they're making it as clear as possible. You're getting a wrestling match with Sting on this pay-per-view. I think that is the the veteran comeback now. You come back, you do your cinematic match, then you come back for your real match in a tag team situation, then you come back for your first singles match, and then maybe it's, I don't know, uh, some other, your first cage match, your first lumberjack match, your first, you know, X. Guys, there will be no editing for this match. This will be live. (laughs) No take twos. Oh, then we had this fantastic segment. The Pinnacle are at this steakhouse having dinner. What a scene this was. This better be a painting one day. Put this on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They they seem like um, steakhouse people. Yeah. Wardlow chugs a bottle of wine. MJF points out Jericho's third grade humor and mentions the bubbly attack from last week. He says, for once, Jericho, you're dealing with someone who always gets the last laugh. Then we pan over to Dax. He says we should be out chasing all the titles in this company, but we can't because we have to deal with the inner circle. Jericho, you are still making a mockery of pro wrestling. Last year's stadium stampede was this dog and pony show. This year, the match is on our terms. It's not an SNL skit. I'm really curious to see if they actually deliver on that, you know, like, can they deliver a more serious stadium stampede and still have it be as satisfying? I as last I year? thought this was like a really great promo to give you the sense you're going to get a very different type of match. You're not going to get the, um, the one like last year, it's going to be a very different take on the match. And then Sean Spears, who might've been the highlight of this, he just murders this waiter, drills him into the table, I want my drink. And then you've got Tully throwing money at the problem, telling the waiter, this should handle it. MJF says, if the inner circle chooses to do the match, it will be your last one. When you're in the pinnacle, you're always on top. This was awesome. I love this. It was really great. It was a really great kind of like, you know, four horsemen type of um, uh, scene. And uh, I hope we see more. Hikaru Shida versus Rebel. In a non-title match, Jim Ross does not think this match will last long. He was correct. Uh, Rebel pretends to have a knee injury. Sheeta goes after it anyway. Then Rebel's dancing. Sheeta gets her own glove and tries for the lockjaw. Baker has the belt. Paul Turner is distracted, allowing Rebel to use the crutch on Hikaru Sheeta, who kicks out of a suplex, goes back to Rebel's knee, applies the stretch muffler, and Rebel taps in two minutes, setting up the attack where Baker goes after Sheeta and... Does the stomp onto the belt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Just this felt like another reminder that hey, you're going to see this match at double or nothing. I think you know, uh, preparing somebody for a match with Britt Baker would probably be the only reason that you could actually justify having Reba wrestle on Dynamite. And uh, this wasn't—I don't even know if this was all that of a strong of a win or a performance, but you know, it reminded you that the match was happening. Was it the last time she wrestled on Dynamite? The story was she can't wrestle. She doesn't know how to wrestle. It might have been that one. Yeah. So she's had quite the learning curve since. She's learned. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's gone from beginner that rose up 
went to stardom, became a wrestler. Then she unlearned it all. And now it's slowly coming back. Yes. Okay. Last week, this is footage from last week. Omega and Callus meet with Orange Cassidy, who's nursing his injury. And they replay the injury footage. And Omega says that you are valued in this company. I'm speaking not just as champion, but as an EVP. We need you to be the mascot of AEW. Not so much as a main eventer, but our legal team has prepared these papers for you to give up the title match at double or nothing. You will get your match with me, but at another time. Now, Orange rips up the papers. I thought this was like a very fair offer. Um, Dude, can, well, he's offering him the... He's not saying like, give up your match. I don't get the match. I don't think he said title match, though. He said you'll get your match with Kenny. I would assume that means title match. What's what's the point of the match without the title? I mean, the whole even entertain this. Well, the whole promo before that was that you know he they want Orange Cassidy to be the mascot of AEW, not somebody who is you know of the role of a champion. So I assume that they were downgrading the the title the match from title match to just a match. Oh, okay. Well, then there's there's no incentive for Orange Cassidy. But if this was a title match, I mean, this is the guy's the guy fucked himself up last week. Delay the match, get it one on one instead of a. It's like, okay, I'm interested in this offer. I would be very, I would be very agreeable to this. Oh, maybe he'll but consider he, it. Well, uh, that's going to be the 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 tease for next week. Uh, Omega says he's not going to hold back on the one winged angel. The beating he gives him at double or nothing will be worse than Pax Powerbomb. He could end his career or even his life. There were, I think, no less than three references to murder on this show. As that being the desired outcome of opponents. Tends and to he left a, He left a, a second copy of the papers with Orange Cassidy. And some good foresight to print two copies. Very smart. Then the Ernest Circle came out. They each took turns. No Santana again, but he will be back next week, they said. Ortiz says talk is cheap. He wants to fight the pinnacle. Guevara says this will never end as long as we're both in AEW. He calls them clowns and dumbass fishes that were swimming in the bubbly last week. Then Jake Hager gets the microphone, which is always an experience. He says they don't have a choice. From the beginning, we said we were the baddest and the consequences of not accepting are far worse and we would be cowards and mediocre like the pinnacle if we refused. And that, that the last thing we want is to be a bunch of schoolgirl bitches like you. Do you like the use of the word this week? Uh, one of the two. The other one was, yeah. I, I didn't think either was. Agreed. Either, either was like a five. Didn't even yeah. register as a five. No, if Jake Cargill had said it, she would have owned both of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, then they handed it off to Chris Jericho, and this was time for him to take the ball and run the field. He says last week was an entertaining divergence to get the Pinnacle's attention. He asks if it was worth it to risk the group breaking up by accepting this challenge. Was Blood and Guts worth it for what they left in the ring that they will never get back? None of them are going to forget that night. And he will never be the same because of MJF. 
You hurt me bad, but not just physically with my dislocated elbow, but the mental image of you throwing me off the cage. It was the most terrifying moment of my life. And I had to shoot an angle with Lucy the dog for the biggest match of my life at WrestleMania 18. (laughs) Time stood still when you shoved me off that cage and I nearly crashed my head on the stage and it would have been over for me. You scared my family, my friends, and I ask, was it worth it? But when I think of the revenge, yes, it was a thousand percent worth it. You gave me the fire and inspiration, and we accept the challenge for Stadium Stampede. And if we can't beat the pinnacle, we don't deserve to be together. And I'm warning you that you will have to kill us to beat us. We are going to dance all over your face. And piss all over your grave. You bitch. (laughs) Dude, this this run of Jericho has been, I think, his best promos. Like, yes, you can go to the heel run of 2008. That is very high. But, man, they... Like, Jericho talked about, like, at one point, like, of of an idea of winning the title in WWE as a babyface because he never did get like a big babyface run with the title. I think Jericho as a babyface has been tremendous this last six, seven weeks. And he is cutting. I, I thought this was just right up there with uh, the promos from a few weeks ago during the parlay. He has been outstanding. And to hear him as a babyface, I think that's definitely a, portion of his career he has not been able to have a sustained serious main event babyface run we're so focused on him as this great heel but he has been an outstanding main event babyface here i i very much agree i think as a babyface chris jericho right now really is just a slight alteration of his same heel character they are very similar promos that you would have heard a heel jericho say except he is cutting them on another heel so, but you know what that means is you want to cheer for him. He is, you know, embrace. He's not fighting against the cheers, and also he is saying lines with a ton of edge. Uh, so I, man, he just felt like captain of the team here. You know, really like uh, taking this entire thing. I thought everybody sounded good. Everybody on the team sounded good, but of course the main course and Chris Jericho really took this over the top. I especially liked the fact that he answered the criticism of a lot of people saying that his return was too early and that he didn't sell the effects of blood and guts enough. Here, he, despite making the appearance last week, he talks about the psychological torment of blood and guts that he'll have to have with him and his family forever. So I thought that added a lot more weight to that spot, which I thought was questionable, certainly after last week. Um, But, you know, and it ramped up excitement for the stadium stampede with that uh, big stipulation attached to it. It's a... It's an interesting, like, um, kind of balancing act that they have for the stadium stampede. Like, you knew when they come came back with this, this would be a, a type of match that would be, it was so well received the first time. And what they're kind of selling here is a very different version of it. And what does the, does the audience uh, want that? I mean, stadium stampede, it's, do you play to a bit of what worked last year or do you just start with a brand new canvas and do a totally different style of match? I think because this calls for a more violent version of it. Like I do not want to see, um, 
you know, pylons and referees, NFL referees and instant replays. I feel like this feud calls for like a really violent version of the match, which you can do. It's just have you set people's expectations that that that's an element that they want. They do want those the, the humorous aspects as well. I think there's a way to balance both. You know, I, I definitely think that there there's a way that they can cram the violence in there, especially if there's a live element attached to this year's, which you would expect with the crowd there. But I, I also feel like some cinematic element is probably to be expected and not just cinematic for cinematic sake, but like creativity is ultimately what, what we're looking for. You know, we want to see something, um, you know, I don't know that we haven't seen before. And if that requires like getting out of the arena and shooting something with the stuff, yeah, uh, with cuts in it. Um, so be it, but it's, it's the ideas that I think we're, we want, you know, um, and maybe a degree of violence as well. I think you'll also get a much shorter match than last, last year's was around 45. And if you're talking about a, you know, an arena with with, Daly's place full of people, I just, I don't think this needs to be that, that length either. Like you could have a really solid 20 minutes. Perhaps. Yeah. I could see them going a bit longer, like, especially if it'll be the main event. Do you think this goes on last? I do. Yeah, I think it's the biggest headlining. I mean, it's got the biggest stakes attached to it, honestly. Um, even yeah, I, I don't. I really don't buy the title match in Kenny's case. I don't buy either of them winning. So I do think this one goes on last. Shivani was with Jade Cargill, and Mark Sterling interrupted. He does not want to. He doesn't want Jade to work for him. I want to work for you. The other managers work for women, so therefore, there's already a conflict. And Taz named his own group after himself and saying, here you are talking to Tony Schiavone. Where's your sit down with Jim Ross? And Jade kind of just blows it off, tells him to exit, but she will consider it before asking, who is that guy? Interesting. Hmm. Serena Deeb, Red Velvet for the NWA Women's Championship. Um, I, I thought this was a very good match. I did too. Yeah. Um, but both like Serena Deeb is, you know, a tremendous pickup uh, for them to to be able to use her. And Red Velvet, I just thought had just a great match uh, with with her. She just played a really fantastic underdog. Uh, Deeb did the twisting neckbreaker immediately, and then goes for Deeb talks. It's too early for Deeb talks. You can't be going to Deeb talks immediately. Got to build up to Deeb talks. Is Deeb talks before or after Deeb hab? Sorry. Well, well, you in theory go to Deeb Hab to recover from Deeb Talks. It's one and the same. Sometimes right. one leads to the other. But I mean, first you've got to inflict enough damage that thus calls for Deeb Talks. Yes, yes, right. So Velvet comes back with all these big strikes. They go through the break. Velvet goes for a moonsault off the apron and lands uh, just nailing Serena and then hits a spinning roundhouse kick in the ring. Serena once again goes for deep talks, but it's stopped and red velvet gets a near fall hooking the legs. Then she goes for a top rope moonsault lands on the knees of deep and deep hits a power bomb. The serenity lock pulls her into the center. And then as she reapplies or goes for a figure four, it's a cradle by red velvet for a two count. She chops Red Velvet's knee, again goes for the Serenity Lock, but this time smashes the knee over and over, which is going to definitely require some Deebhab. And she applies the hold in 9 minutes and 32 seconds. Serena Deeb retains. 
I, I really enjoyed this match a lot. I thought both performed great. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was like a, I won't even say a, a pleasant surprise. Serena Deeb has had really great outings, but this was um, a really great sign of Red Velvet and where she is at. It was a fantastic match. It really was. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think I, I am only surprised because like I'm, I'm really impressed at how good Red Velvet is, and I, you know, I the fact that we haven't really seen her a whole lot, you know, in 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 a in a short amount of time, she really just like seems so seasoned. But both of them were just brought great intensity to this match, working really fast, hitting really hard, and pretty precise with almost everything. So, you know, um. This, Velvet hasn't really be, really been given the wins, but man, she's been looking fantastic, and I hope to see her a lot more. Like the 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 whole thing about what the AEW's women's division at this point, um, it's probably a criticism that I think is being lar- like, it, it, it is really slowly and maybe even quickly like fading away. Like they have a lot of really strong talent that's been able to prove themselves. I do feel though, like what is still seems to be missing is enough um, story and star powers for everybody you know so often the the cycle seems to be okay this person's going to face Sheeta this this month or these few weeks and then we don't hear from them or see them again and you know like where's Ty Conti been as of late you know they they they've done so well with her and then you just don't see her on dynamite for weeks on end i feel like velvet has kind of fallen into that space until a, a moment like this but um there's so much potential there pack was outside of the elite's locker room called them elitist pricks, and what fools will bet against a bastard pack at Double or Nothing? Um, this was his only involvement on the show. I, I will say, like, the the focus, there was a lot on tonight's show, and I'm not even saying that in a negative way, but the, like, the three-way match for the title, it certainly didn't seem like a, a major focus of tonight's show, and I think Pac, I hope they allow him to do a big promo next week that we know he can do, um, but it's like like it does feel like a uh, a main event that does not quite have that spark. It it, it feels like it's more of a Jericho versus Orange Cassidy feud with Pack just kind of thrown in there for some reason. The match will probably be you know will be great, but uh, yeah, not much reason for us to believe that either of them have a chance. Austin Gunn, the ten and O Austin Gunn versus Anthony Agogo. Cody and Arn Anderson are out with Austin, the factory with a go-go. And this is where they plug next week, Friday night, 10 o'clock Eastern, Dynamite. They note that a go-go is covering his left eye, which he is 78% blind in. How in God's name are you rooting against this guy? I have no idea. After this week, yeah, I don't know. Cody, go for the bad eye. Come on, Cody. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, a, what an amazing story. No, it's impossible. I mean, there's a lot wrong with this feud, uh, but there's a lot right, too. He fends off Gunn after he runs at him with this dropkick, and a go-go lands that body shot, and then lands another one on the other side. They note he's got heavyweight power and middleweight speed. Austin Gunn, who I thought was pretty great for his role of what he yep. needed to be, he's bleeding from the mouth, and they he won't let Bryce Remsburg end the match. So instead, a go-go presses him in the air, drills him with a right hand, and the stoppage is called at 2 minutes and 13 seconds. Um, this was perfect for what it needed to be. Like, this is, 
you had Cody come in. He's all draped in the red, white, and blue, checking on his... St- like, this was... This is Rocky Four. Like, it's totally Rocky Four that they are building this a-go-go uh, Cody match as. It, <laughs> yeah, it would be great. Except, like, when Rocky speaks, you like him. <laughs> and Cody's promo last week, like, made him more... <laughs> Oh, a a lot of people disliked that promo. A lot of people liked it. Like it oh, was a div- I, I, I don't know. Really, you heard a lot of people like that. I, I saw week? a lot. Uh, I saw a lot positive and a lot negative to it. I, 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 I got the sense it was largely negative. Um, but when you're that fifty-fifty split, when you're supposed to be a babyface, I don't know if you would consider something like that to be a success. Um, I do love the booking of a go-go here as this in-ring threat. Um, he he looked tremendous. Austin Gunn was great. I love the use of mouth blood for internal bleeding. Uh, big <laughs> big fan of mouth blood. But the USA stuff is like, you know, where I sour on this. After the promo last week and even just like the whole thing of like got the pro- the anti-American guy coming out with the American stable. And like, oh, what's QT thinking this entire time? Yeah, it's, America sucks. <laughs> Like, I don't buy that at all. He took the American flag and he threw it. And Cody just like limbers away just to grab this flag so it doesn't fall on the ground. And the, fa- the flag is Apollo Creed. It is. Yeah. You should come out to the uh, with Creed shorts. Uh, it would not surprise me. I, I do. I, I do think that match is going to have a lot of heat from that crowd. Uh, which way? I wonder. We will see. Oh, well, I mean, there's there's no one traveling over here, so it will probably are be they, a very American crowd. See, are they going to do USA chants? Because that's where I feel, I you know, this this feud is designed for the USA chant. But with the reaction that this crowd has had to that sort of promo, will they not do it? Because like, wait, th- like, wait, this is going to be in Jacksonville, the same city where they booed Zhang Wei Li coming out uh, last month during the UFC card. Well, I also think a goal will probably have to like you know drive do the anti-American promo thing a little bit harder then to really kind of rile that that crowd up. Um, but you know, you and risk- it all sets it up for maybe uh, maybe maybe Cody will give his big speech at the end, rallying can- everyone together. Maybe they'll hug. If I can change, you can change. Yeah, not the not the best setting for this. This should have been you know him going to enemy territory, but. Um, nonetheless, well, we got a recap of SCU's loss last week and shot of Daniels all stitched up. Daniels is asked about his future. He just shakes Kazarian's hands, whispers something in his ear and walks away. And Kazarian says, I cannot explain what that man has meant for me. And he has earned whatever it is that he chooses to do. I know what my path is. I lost part of myself last week, and I blame it all on the elite. I will hunt each one of you down. You will learn about loss and learn what it's like to have your heart ripped out. I am a bomb you can't defuse and a gun you can't unload. And that is the gospel, according to Frankie Kazarian. Bitch. Holy shit. Dude, the promos were spectacular tonight. Another mic drop here. Yeah, he was fucking... Great, cranky was. And condolences too to Frankie Kazarian. His father passed away over the past week, which would have been after um, th- th- this was done. So mm-hmm. you know, obviously a very, uh, uh, v- very unfortunate life event for him. 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, I don't know if this is like the last we've seen of Chris Daniels. Something tells me because of how non-committal it all feels that it's not, and that we're going to see more more of Chris Daniels uh, somehow. But you know, I do get the sense it might be the end of him as part of this story for now, and that greatly disappoints me. Uh, especially after cutting away so fast last week, which I mean uh, was another common complaint about last week's show that the Bucks have actually put in their bio now for uh, taking credit for. Um, I'm disappointed that they didn't at least give us the moment now here. You know, like there was a bit of a goodbye, and it was, I think it was appropriate actually on this show that it was just like Daniels didn't say anything; he just leaves and gives the spotlight to Frankie. But you know, BTE this week had a tremendous. Chris Daniels promo, and I think he at least deserves some version of that to be aired on Dynamite. At the very least, like one final slow clap as he left the crowd. I wish, not- I wish tonight's show started with that, like last week on Dynamite, and then mm-hmm. you show that, and that's how the show starts instead of being the elite starting with that. Like that promo was awesome. What's it doing on being the elite? I mean, they they titled one of the BTEs. This should have been on <laughs> Dynamite. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's where the third hour comes in. Okay, well, can can he just hold his decision until August 13th? <laughs> well, um, d- sure. Why not? Well, they'll just replay it. I was expecting Daniels to come out tonight and say, you know, I've, I've had a lot of highs in this business. I shared this ring in September of 2005 with two of my best friends at Unbreakable 2005 which John Pollock and Wei Ting are going to review on Friday on Rewind Away. That is correct. Absolutely. Hey, if we're comparing about output this week or over the past week, uh, certainly Frank Chris Daniels has the edge over AJ Styles. Uh, but we're going back to 2005 to talk about, I would say certainly maybe um, Chris Daniels' most famous match and maybe TNA's most famous match in the triple threat with those three. That full match is up on YouTube if you guys wanted to go check it out before our review comes out on the Post Wrestling Cafe on Friday morning. Yes. Uh, it's a really great show we have coming out Friday. Really going deep into TNA in 2005. But ladies and gentlemen, it has come to this. Out comes Miro, the new TNT champion. He is defending the title against Lance Archer on May the 30th. First of all, I would like to thank Jesus Christ for protecting me and giving me the strength and the power to destroy everyone. (laughs) This is already the best promo of the year. Invoking the Lord's name to thank him for destroying everyone was the absolute best way to start this promo. This guy, everything has now fallen into place. And that is my talent. Not Darby Allen's talent, isn't it? He He talked crap online. If you have what I have, what I want, then it's all done. I forgive you, Darby, for disrespecting me. Now you can go home and make another one of your student videos. <laughs> <laughs> your grainy, your grainy student videos. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, this is just that... this is just the first verse, everybody. Like he had a whole oh. diss track in him tonight. Next week, someone will get an opportunity at my title. I will destroy whoever that man is. Out comes Lance Archer and Jake Roberts. I have never been so angry at two people interrupting a man's train of thought than these two. He refers back to when Miro was trying to have his own day to himself and brings up the history of the TNT title when he was fighting Cody for that very belt. 
When they face off, it will be Godzilla versus King Kong, and I can't wait for us to beat the hell out of one another. I'm going to put your ass into the ground and make you my Bulgarian bitch. Miro says, excuse me, the quarter hour is dipping, so I'm going to resume my words. He just refers to Jake as the old man, and he warns Jake, if you come near me, (laughs) there is not enough yoga in the world to save your life from me. Yes, Lance Archer, everybody dies, as you say, it's only that I insist that you die first. Dude, going, going, gone. This ball was into the bleachers at Fenway. This was the best promo of this man's life, and he has had some great ones. But this character is perfect. This man has found his calling. This Dude, this show had some of the best promos I've seen on any shows this year. From The Pinnacle, to Jericho, to Kazarian, to Miro, to Max Caster, to the Varsity Blondes. This was awesome. This was just a fantastic night of promos. It was a great show for promos. Uh, Maybe even, yeah, promos stronger than the in-ring content this week. And that's really great for variety. But who would have thought that Rusev would emerge as one of the sharpest, wittiest trash talkers in this wrestling promotion? He is quickly becoming the king of the one-liner. And he murdered Archer and Jake here. And Darby. Darby's editor at least you know like in comparison Archer who I think typically is a very good promo he sounded like an amateur here even having to like resort resort to the word bitch and it just like man it just made him like this was 10-8 Miro no doubt but man like Miro's type of trash talk is one that has just incredible creativity within it calling out Darby's grainy student films the Jake yoga line and then twisting, you know, everybody dies back on him, insisting that he goes first. I'm loving this Miro. It is such a far cry from the video game dude that we had. Such a, such an, an evolution of the Rusev day, Rusev that we were seeing back then. He is, uh, he has evolved, and he is way better than any of those incarnations. Yeah, great, great segment for him. His best since showing up in AEW. Yes. Next week. Look at all the stuff they announced. This is the Friday night show. Miro will defend the TNT title against poor Dante Martin. Oh, man. Yep, that'll be fast. Joey Janela versus Hangman Page. Cody and Anthony Ogogo will have a weigh-in. Jade Cargill's open challenge. A celebration of the inner circle. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Darby Allen against Cesar Bononi. Hikaru Shida's one-year celebration as women's champion, and Orange Cassidy will answer uh, or respond to Kenny Omega's offer. So that is uh, a lot of stuff that they have announced next week. They usually have pretty full shows announced. Yeah. Nine, nine different things announced. And they have uh, confirmed Sting and Darby Allin against Paige and Sky for double or nothing in a live wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Main event, Young Bucks against the Varsity Blondes for the tag titles. Early on, the Blondes send them to the floor and do the Young Bucks pose. Nick does a rope walk all across the side and then hits a double foot stomp onto Pillman in his uh, $10,000 uh, Nike Dior's. Dior's. 
Yeah. Yes, which would be a big focus of tonight's match. The announcers talk about dark side of the ring. Uh, They get the heat on Pillman. And they are explaining that the referees are intimidated by the Young Bucks to enforce the rules as they are blatantly double teaming in front of Rick Knox. Pillman is fighting back. Great facial expressions. Matt applies the sharpshooter. Nick uses the cold spray into his eyes. Garrison breaks up the sharpshooter. And then Nick is faking a knee injury. When Matt gets caught with the can by Rick Knox, who takes it away, Julia Hart is on the apron as Don Callis says, don't trust a heart. That's what we say in Canada. And then the Bucks spray Julia Hart in the face. This leads to a near fall as Brian gets Matt in an inside cradle. He kicks out. Matt goes back to the sharpshooter. Brian is selling and selling. Garrison's out. And then Nick hits a slingshot face buster. And Pillman has to tap at 11 minutes and 34 seconds. Really fun match. I thought the Bucks played some really entertaining heels. Um, They... You know, really wrestle a similar style, but they drive up the obnoxiousness really well, uh, including the sneakerheads who don't like the ten thousand shoes, ten thousand dollars shoes being worn on, uh, yeah, I guess anywhere. But um, you know, it put the Varsity Blondes on people's radars. It's their biggest match in AEW thus far, and I thought they did really well. So I don't know how they're going to build on this for them. It just might be a case of like, hey, now you know about these guys, go catch them on Dark. But um, I thought for a big test for those two, they did really well. I I thought so, too. Like, this was a good showing for them. I mean, um, you know, I know some people are going to be put off by, like, the the spray can and the the heavy utilization of it. I do think it's really working for the Bucks, like, this whole heel Mm -hmm. act. Like, I I think it's really been effective for it, and I haven't been turned off by any of like the heel antics i think that's like it's building for like this big showdown now as moxley and kingston appear in the ring and attack the bucks and choke them out cold and then proceed to steal their shoes kingston even stole nick's socks on top of it and with that the graphic appears the match is made for double or nothing of moxley and kingston challenging the young bucks and then we got a whole rundown of the pay-per-view which uh will include the Casino Battle Royale, which includes Jungle Boy, Isaiah Cassidy, Matt Seidel, Christian Cage, Ten, Matt Hardy, Penta, Mark Quinn, Hobbs, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Garrison, Max Caster, QT Marshall, Pillman Jr., Dustin Rhodes, Colt Cabana, Anthony Bowens, Lee Johnson, and Nick Camarotto with guest commentator Paul White. I wanted to get all those names out because I had to pause this and like squint to see every identity on these cards, these 20 tiny cards, like I'm playing solitaire on a bloody Commodore. Well, good job. You Thank you for getting all of them. Got them all. Now, um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia and there's got a, it says a TBA on it. I wonder uh, if there's somebody else. I don't know if they mentioned any TBAs on there. They could. They put in surprises before. So this is anyway. Those are the announced names so far. Maybe they'll have some added names in there as well. So there you go. We've got the whole card. And isn't, isn't there usually like a Joker or, or whatever they call it? Um, wild card, like yeah. The well, Joker. I mean that was the early incarnations. Remember where they came out in the pairings? I I don't know the the Casino Battle Royale concept. I don't know if it's quite taken off. Well, they've been doing it every year. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That was uh, Dynamite. Um, This was like some phenomenal promos um, match-wise. A a good main event. 
really good women's match. I, I thought as well. I thought that that over delivered. Um, but tonight, yeah, it was really to me that the promos were were the big thing. Um, they to me were the big standouts on this show and giving a lot of guys uh, a chance to talk. And I think that's that was a really effective use of many of these uh, programs to advance them. I found it to be a very entertaining show. Not so. Much, I mean, the in ring was strong, but it wasn't the type of show where you you'd go out and say. Man, uh, all these matches were like pay-per-view quality. I actually thought the women's match was probably my favorite on the entire show. But beyond that, it was a great chance to like see some of the younger talent get showcased. And a great... I mean, this show really had one objective. And that was to make sure that the audience knew what the full card for Double or Nothing was. And by the end of it, you had every every match listed. Um, I feel like they could have done a better job promoting the Friday um, appearance. But, you know, if you're a Dynamite fan at this point, you'd probably find out and be reminded in several other ways through uh, social media. I, I think it's going to be tough next, next Friday. Like I'm not expecting them to be able to replicate their, their Wednesday audience. I think it, it's a tough spot, um, but it will be interesting to see um, w- without, you know, a big promotional push like rampage will get what, what can they draw on, on that Friday night slot on TNT? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It will be interesting. I mean, it's it's so early to tell, but I mean, it would probably be some indicator of you know. It at least gives you a baseline. Like if they do eight hundred thousand viewers next Friday night, that's a really strong sign. If if based on you know a week and a half of promotion. Mm-hmm. How how do you think Double or Nothing looks this far out? Um, I've got to say, I'm looking forward to the show. I think. You know, you, you can talk about, like, the setup and pairing it with Blood and Guts. But overall, like, I, I thought tonight did a really good job of building up Stadium Stampede. I Jericho's promo was excellent, and I really like the pinnacle kind of showcasing, like, this is not going to be like last year's. This is going to be a, a different thing. And I do think Stadium Stampede will mean something uh, for, for a lot of people. Um, I'm with you. Like, the, the three-way, I think it's going to be a really great match. But I, I don't see it being, like, a match that is going to drive people to buy this pay-per-view like Omega and Moxley at the last one. The, the, the kind of like, you know, crown jewel, um, you know, um, no, no reference to, I guess the other one, but like the crown jewel of this pay-per-view is stadium stampede. And if anybody's going to pay for it, it'll be for that one match. Everything else is like really good garnish. I will say, um, I think Baker Sheeta probably has a, would probably have a good amount of hype leading into it. Cause I think many people, are expecting Sheeta to lose and Baker to get the championship, so there's a good level of hype there. There's something attached to every single match. I want to see how they book a go-go. I want to see, you know, Paige and Cage, uh, see how the announcers handle that, but they've had great chemistry. Seeing Miro with Archer, that should be really good. And uh, Sting's first in-ring appearance, that might have a bit of interest. And then, of course, it's, you know, Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston. That um, that, that should be probably an excellent good. match. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see... Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's Stadium Stampede, like, looking at this, like, I think this probably, yeah, does have to close the show. And then you, you are probably looking at, you know, 25 to 30, probably, for that. So mm. uh, that would be an interesting to ma- match just to see the, the layout. And it's got, and does, like, the stipulation, does that resonate with people? Like, we have seen examples of major stipulations that don't always mean heightened interest. Uh, this is one, like, this is a main event feud, and you're you're teasing something really big in the potential breakup of the inner circle. I think it was necessary because you're following blood and guts. You know, you kind of have to re- re- increase the stakes again, no pun intended. Um, 
but I I think it, it it in some ways might telegraph it because I don't know how many people believe that they would you know disband the inner circle, but I, I think for storytelling purposes it's 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 necessary. Well, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com. Tonight's poll on a scale of one to ten gets a seven point zero seven. Noah from Vaughn, Dynamite tonight felt formulaic in a positive way. Due to this being the final Wednesday show before the pay-per-view, they did everything they could to heighten interest for the pay-per-view, as they always do on their go-home shows. I'm really looking forward to Double or Nothing, and with a full crowd in attendance, the atmosphere is surely going to be incredible. I, I do think, like, that atmosphere to me and, like, having more fans, like, that, I think, does mean something. I don't think that's the difference between a show doing, you know doubling its its buys or anything but i do think that's a factor like you have been so starved for real atmospheres at wrestling shows that you know having more fans at this show for an aw specific show that is so reliant on its crowd engagement i i do think that's like a small factor to i mean the intrigue of the pay-per-view you know it's several moments that i think we're all looking to see and that's obviously it's judas uh, to see how the crowd may react. I mean, if they'll even do Judas, considering it's stadium stampede, it'll probably start in the stadium. Oh, they, 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 they have, have to find a way to do that. I don't care how the match is structured. You, they, they should start in. It's kind of weird to start in the arena, but you, you kind of have to. I think that's part of the intrigue. You know, is to see how they uh, cater to a crowd. But wild thing, and of course the Pixies. You know, seeing how the full crowds react to all these songs and these totally. Entrances. All right, we go up to we go to Kate up next, who says that was a lot of fun. Serena versus Red Velvet was my match of the night. I hope that they flesh out Serena's character a bit more now that she's back because her matches are almost always stellar. Even though the ending of King Mox versus the acclaimed was a foregone conclusion, I thought it was extremely entertaining. And let's face it, we were all mostly interested in what Caster was going to come out with, and he did not disappoint. Given how much attention he's gotten in the last couple weeks, do you think we could see Nick Gage show up to act as? A counterbalance to Callus and the Good Brothers and Brandon Cutler in the Bucks versus Kingston Moxley match. I know he and Mox are feuding in GCW, but I could see it being played as an on as a grudging respect angle. Nick Gage showing up in AEW, I can totally see happening. Oh, I can absolutely see it happening. He would be a perfect fit in this this three way feud. Um, and he is, I think, at the level of like cult status now that he could just make an appearance cold. And people would lose their shit, you know, especially after Dark Side of the Ring. Um, um, just, just we, we kind of I, I skimmed over this from Noah, but he did have a question in here as well. Could you see the potential of the Joker, which is brought up here, the entrant number 21 in the Battle Royal being Paul White, who is on commentary? And yeah, then winning. sure. Yeah. So what does the winner get? The winner gets a future title shot. Mm, that, you know, I don't. I, I think you'll see a lot of, like, negative mm, reaction to that if they went ahead and had a non-wrestler come in and just suddenly win a thing to, like... Unless, like, that that was their way of getting to Omega versus Big Show. If, for some reason, like, Kenny Omega thought that that would... Or, like, they thought that would be a big attraction for a TV show. I, you I, know, th- I, I think the angle... Like, the angle for him is, like, he's got to be the, the, the fun-loving, you know, color commentator... And then you shoot the angle where he stands up for the the like Tony or Jim Ross. And if you wanted to do that, then it's it's Don Callis being a shit disturber, and Paul White finally stands up to him. Like there are ways to get there. I wouldn't do it through the battle royal because I I'm with you. I don't think that that would be a great way to do it. And there's the ready made angle when you have 
the guy that's on the desk and then he stands up for the guy and you and you build to the match that way. Mm-hmm. Who uh Kate actually asked, who do you have on your short list to win the battle royal? Um, well, let's what are the names again? It doesn't have to be the Joker. You know, we don't know. No, who it is, doesn't. But, yeah. Uh of the names announced, I mean Christian Christian could Christian could win. Um can you see a powerhouse Hobbs getting that sort of push? Honestly, like in this company, I could see them go like not not anyone here, but I could see like like I think I see there being a much more wide variance. Like this could just be a match on TV. This doesn't have to be for, you know, your next pay-per-view. But yeah, I could see a Christian. I could even see like a, a Jungle Boy. Uh like I mm. I think that there's different possibilities here of who's announced. Yeah, I would say um those are certainly possibilities. Penta, I would say, it might be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um trying to wonder who else would be ready for like a title match situation. Maybe not too many others actually um who do we have next uh let's go to mark here it's too bad we can't get another gun to challenge a go-go before double or nothing uncle bart would have been a perfect cameo teaching him some of the brawl for all techniques uh aew is gonna done a good job slowly integrating real music as entrance themes i can imagine it's going to create a really good atmosphere for being in front of crowds when you have thousands singing along to Wild Thing, Where's My Mind, or Tarzan Boy. I look forward to more sing-along style entrance music and think it will definitely help create a unique atmosphere that's going to help once they are back on the road. 100% agree. Finally, we got a Christian Otto who says, uh, I don't have much to say while I teeter here in anticipation of my first vaccine dose this Saturday morning, other than Miro is the best ever person. His promo was so good that I'm going to probably dream about it tonight and forever. Even his ad lib when the fans were chanting for Darby was perfect. I've got your Darby right here. As he held the TNT title to the sky. And Brandon Cutler's audible when the first can of cold spray was empty was a fun bit of live TV as well. 10 out of 10 for AEW promo night. Cheap plug, Phil, Lord of the Court Chair Talk, and I will be hosting the inaugural Twin Peaks Watch Along in the post-Discord tomorrow night at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Ooh. Twin Peaks, you ever watch that? No, I did not. Though I hear it's a you know a, a wildly popular show. Discord, uh, postwrestling.com slash Discord, everybody. There's always something going on. Uh, are are you West aware West. that I, I apparently won a, a world championship on the Discord? Uh, I am aware, and uh, I speak to you as a former champion myself. Oh, okay. Having I, uh, I found out I won this championship uh, through a text message. <laughs> Well, it it it, it 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 was cause for celebration. Have you defended? Um, I've been given instructions on how to defend it, so we're we're at, we're at that stage right now. So you're holding the title hostage, is what you're doing? No, I was told I have three days to defend it. So why do I have to defend it immediately? Oh, so you're not even going to drop the belt? You're just going to like let it? You're just going to vacate it? I didn't say vacate it. It said you have three days to defend the title. I'm not up. I haven't expired yet. Okay, you're taking your time. Certainly not the defending champion that uh, we'd we'd expect from, you know, uh, one of the one of the the more deserving members. But I I get it, John. Come into the territory, you make your money, and then you just get going. Eh? I'm not making anybody. I'm I'm here. I'm here. I'm here for brains. Okay, that's how I got to that. That's how I I climbed up to become the champion. Okay, I put in a lot of hard work and sacrifice to get to this spot. Yes, yes, we know. Yeah, it's always uh, intense at postwrestling.com slash Discord. Uh, free to sign up, everybody. 
And that is going to wrap up the show. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. A packed edition of Rewinded Dynamite. Thursday, the Wellness Policy, live at 3 Eastern with Way and Jordan Goodman for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then myself and Mr. Ting will be back on Friday with two shows, Rewind Away, covering Unbreakable 2005. And then Friday night, 10.15 Eastern, it is Rewind a Smackdown. So look forward to that live for all of our patrons. And we will be taking calls on Friday night about Smackdown, Collision in Korea, and anything else. It's been a busy week, so lots of topics to discuss. Yeah, great job on the site to John and as well as uh, Andrew Thompson and uh, anybody who's contributed. John Cena's got the latest edition of Shot in the Dark that's up there on the Up Next feed. So there's a ton of stuff to keep you guys updated. Good night. Goodbye from the champ. <laughs>